worthy, 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 worthy. How amazing it is. You can be seated tonight. Uh, team, if you want to sit on the front row just for a minute, you can do that. Hey, uh, I'll just think about that just for a minute. That he left his throne of glory for a manger. He left the place where everyone knew him, and even the mountains and the seas and the stars and the heavenly host declared his glory and knew his name. And he left it to make himself of no reputation, and he humbled himself to be obedient to the form even of a servant to serve mankind. Man, it's a good thing to know God. It's a good thing to know God. Uh, I want to talk to you this evening a little bit about hope. And uh, if you have a Bible or your phone, you can look in Matthew 12, 15, but you don't have to turn there. We've been talking in the last few weeks about uh, joy, unwrapping a gift from Jesus. And I'm unwrapping the gift of joy, and we talked about unwrapping the gift of peace. Uh, and I want to talk to you tonight about unwrapping the gift of hope just for a few minutes. But what are you anticipating in your life? What are, you, what are the things that you're looking forward to? Sometimes we're just looking forward to sitting on the couch at the end of the day. Sometimes we're looking forward to maybe we'll be successful in life or uh, we're going to do great things or we're trying to look forward to retirement. We're looking forward to uh, the person we're going to marry. We can be looking forward to uh, having enough money to end well and, 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 and have a, a nice setup uh, to buy that house, to finish that house. We have a lot of things in this life we can look forward to, but I did, I did some research this last week in talking about our new generation, uh, Generation Z, which is our youth, our people who are 25 about and, and younger. We are living in a world that is so absent of hope, of anticipation of good things. We're living in, uh, one study said, one of the most dark and apocalyptic times in modern history in the fact that most people today who are alive do not think tomorrow will be better than today. That's a new thing that's happened in America. Studies are showing that Gen Generation Z, our youth, uh, since they've been born, they've been raised in a world without hope. They were born in a post-9-11 day of terrorism. Post-2008 recession has been their growing up years, a day of economic uncertainty, a, a world shaped by social media giants and technological giants, a world confused in its gender and identity. They've been born into a world that doesn't believe that tomorrow is any more certain than today. It's a world where truth is no longer universal, where morality is relative and prosperity is uncertain. It's a world with no hope. You know, hopelessness is the number one cause of divorce. A marriage that has no hope, both, one or both partners have no hope. There's no reason to continue. They'll end a divorce. Hopelessness is the number one cause of depression. It's not anything else. It's hopelessness. That's the number one cause of alcoholism, of any drug addiction. It's hopelessness. Hopelessness is the number one cause of suicide. Hopelessness. Because when you don't believe tomorrow can be any better than today, or that things or people will not change, and there's no hope, what's the point of going on or trying again? And that's why Proverbs 13, 12 says, Hope deferred makes the what? The heart sick. But a desire fulfilled can be a tree of life. Hope means to desire with anticipation. It means to desire with confident expectation of future obtainment. It means to expect, to trust, to rely on. Hope believes it'll be fulfilled. And we can hope we'll be successful. You'll marry well. You'll have kids. You'll get a great job. Retire with money. But that's even no guarantee. Actually, I just read an article yesterday 
uh, said that half of the success of every startup business in America today, half of it is skill and education, the other half is luck. The other half is just chance, it's randomness, hope. Have you ever hoped you're just going to make it through another week or another day or another month? The Bible says, even of strong men, hope can perish. But Psalms 31 says, be strong and let your heart take courage, all who hope in the Lord. Somebody say hope. Be strong, take courage, all who hope in the Lord. Even strong men's hope can perish in this life and in this world, but those who hope in the Lord, he says, take courage. So let's go back into that time and that day where Jesus became the hope of the world. It was the first century. Israel had lost its hope mostly in God. Abraham, their father, had hoped, the Bible said, against hope. Uh, when there was no hope, he still had hope. He hoped against hope. He believed he'd become the father of many nations through a great descendant, Romans says. And that promise was made to his son Isaac and the next son Jacob after him, who was Israel. And that hope, that promise, became the hope of Israel. But where was this promise? It, Jesus had said later in the New Testament, Israel had set its hope on Moses to obey the law. That was their hope. But Moses and even David after him had set their hope on a Messiah. See, their hope was on this Messiah who would offer eternal life, and that was the actual promise long ago. But each of these men, great men of faith, had this assurance, the Bible says, of things, what? Hoped for, and evidence of things not seen. They were hoping for something. And that's how they gained God's approval. You want to gain God's approval today? What are you hoping in? What are you setting your expectation on? What are you anticipating? This king is coming. This Messiah is about to be revealed. And just like it was their hope for the first coming, this is for us for the second coming. This nativity story is really for us to look back, but also to look ahead. There's something still to hope for. There's something still to anticipate. There's something to set your sight on. And then that day when most had lost hope, Hope was about to be revealed. God of hope was about to reveal the hope of eternal life through His Son, Paul says in Titus 3, 7. And Colossians, he said, Christ became the hope of glory. Somebody say glory. Man, He became the hope of glory. And so here's what it says in Matthew chapter 12, verse 15. As many were following Him, and Jesus began to heal them all, He warned them not to tell people who He was. And this was to fill, fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet. Here he says, Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he shall proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel nor cry out, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A battered reed he will not break off, and a smoldering wick he will not put out until he leads justice to victory. 21, And in his name the Gentiles will hope. What was he talking about? What's What's Isaiah talking? In his name the Gentiles will hope. If you go back to Isaiah, he says, There's coming a Messiah, and though he will be king of kings and lord of lords, his enemies will be against him. But to him they'll be just a smoldering, flickering candle. He could put their, them out with just one pinch. They'll be like a broken reed. People who stand against him will be a reed, barely all just hanging by a thread. And he could snap it off if he would, but he would re pull back from them. 
He would be a man of the meek and the lowly. The Gentile nations would come. And in this, was this is being fulfilled in Matthew uh, from Isaiah. In that same day, there were people, uh, Matthew says, people from Tyre and Sidon, people from the coastlands and from the seas, people from the Gentile lands began to follow him by crowds. And here's this Messiah, this great king. But yet he's identifying with the flickering candles and the broken reeds says he healed them of all their diseases. He's casting out their unclean spirits. Many begin to cry out that you are the Son of God. And I love what one author says. He says, in this moment, with matchless tenderness and love, he begins to lift up the meek. He strengthens their hands and feeble knees. He comforts those who mourn. And he says to those who are fearful, be strong and fear not. Man, that's what he, be strong and fear not, hope in the Lord. Today's the day of salvation. Here's this king, he's come, he's here, and he's a different kind of king from a different kind of, he's coming to a dark and broken world. John says that the world did not understand the light of God. It was groping in the darkness and we couldn't comprehend it, but the darkness couldn't extinguish it. It couldn't overcome it. And here's this king, a light of the world, coming from a different world to this broken world to show us how to live, to redeem it back to what it used to be, and to say, this is the way this kingdom works. Yeah, he could have come in and wiped everything out, but he says, this is the way. This is the good news of hope. Three things I'm going to leave you with before we move on to our candlelight. How do you have hope in a day like today? Number one, there's a revelation of hope. There was a moment on the road to Emmaus. The disciples had hoped that Jesus Christ, the Bible said, would have fulfilled, but he was dead. He'd come, he'd been born, he did all these miracles, but then he died. He's in the ground. What hope is there? We're hopeless. It says they, they, were, they were without hope. They had no hope. We hoped he would be the guy. And here's Jesus along the road walking with him. And as he get, they get to the house and he reveals and the scripture, the Bible says he opened their mind to understand the scriptures. He revealed the scriptures to them. And then he disappears. And then they turn to one another and say, were not our hearts burning within us as he began to explain the things about the Messiah? You see, it was a revelation of hope. It was a revelation that lit a flame on the inside of them, a revelation that this hope is still alive. Church, the hope is not dead. He's not gone. He's not disappeared. That hope is still living. And he says, if you have a revelation of this hope, if you understand the revelation of who Jesus Christ is, what he's coming to do, and that he's coming back again, there should be something burning on the inside that that light has not been extinguished. The darkness of this world can't overtake it nor overcome it. But there is a burning light still in his church. Amen? Yeah. Revelation of hope. You see, we all have hope. The Bible says we all had no hope and we were without God in the world. But when this good news of hope comes, Jesus Christ becomes that hope. Ephesians says this. He says, uh, Paul prayed this over his church before uh, the church, one of his most loved churches uh, in Ephesus. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, that you'll know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of of the glory of his inheritance for you, the saint. And what's the surpassing greatness of this power towards us who believe? And this is all in accordance with the working of the strength of his might. What is he saying? If you, like Psalm says, those who hope in the Lord, be strong, take courage. He says, I'm praying that you have a revelation to know the hope that Jesus has called you to, that you are saints by calling. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a chosen people, peculiar, different than the world. But he's chosen you and called you closer to himself. And he says, if you take hope in that, he says, I'm praying, when you get this hope, 
It comes alive in you that that Holy Spirit's going to come and it's going to strengthen you on the inside. You're going to see what the riches of His glory is for you, this great power that's for you. You're not some weak. Man, the world may think you're a bent reed. They may think you're a smoldering wick. But He says, know the power that's been given for you. Think about this. He's going to the shepherds, the weak, the meek, the lowly. He's going to the nobodies, and he's giving them the power of heaven. The world can't see it. They can't understand it. But do you know that you have that power on the inside of you? Do you know that there's a God greater than the president who's for you? A God who's greater than every nuclear arsenal that the whole world, he worried about World War III today. The nuclear arsenal of heaven is for you. Right? The glory of heaven. Angelic hosts proclaim this sky. And he says, that heavenly host is on your side. That's who you are. A revelation of hope. Number two is a resurrection of hope. Once you have a revelation, then you know you've got this resurrection. See, 1 Corinthians 15, 9 says, we have, Paul says, if we've just hope in Christ in this life only, we are of most all men to be most pitied. You see, the world has no hope of resurrection. They can hope in great retirement. They can hope in great jobs. They can hope in great marriages. They can hope in all kinds of things. But what hope is there for eternal life? What guarantee does the world actually have? People go up to the street and say, I believe I'll go to heaven. Well, how do you know that? What hope do you have for that? How do you know that you can go to heaven? Are you a good person? You know, or you go to Buddha, Hare Krishna, you go to Muhammad. How do you know? How do you know you will live forever in eternity? How do you know you're going to go to heaven and not go to hell? How do you know that? Is there hope for you? Do you know that? You see, the believer has a hope in a resurrection. And it's not just some whipping understanding or some maybeness or say, oh, because the pastor said so-ness. It's not because I signed a membership card or that I got baptized in water that someone said some special thing over me when I went down, whether it's in the Trinity or Jesus' name or I spoke in tongues or whatever emotional thing happened to you. Those are just things. But do you have the hope of it? How do you have the hope of it? See, the world has no hope of resurrection. But Paul says, you are not like the rest of the world that has no hope. You see, your greatest hope is the resurrection of the dead. This is actually what the early church fought and died for, was the resurrection. See, Paul said, I'm not hoping in anything but the presence of the Lord Jesus that is coming. That Jesus Christ was risen, so too will we be. Amen. And Galatians 5 says, For we through the Spirit by faith are awaiting the hope of righteousness. And 2 Corinthians says, and we don't have to wait. It's not a hope that fades like in the Old Testament, but there's a hope. Moses had the glory of God. He saw it on the Mount Sinai, and he had to veil his face. But the, the tradition says that over the course of his life, that, that, that hope began to, that light began to fade. But Paul says in, in the Christian life, that gets brighter and brighter and brighter. As he comes near, we get eager and eager and eager. As we see the signs, we get excited, more excited, more excited. As the day draws near, Hebrews says, don't let your uh, faith go without confession. Be together more. The more you see it, get together more. Rejoice more. Your redemption's drawing nigh. Look up to the heaven. You know where your help comes from. It's from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And Paul says, how do you have that? Because there's a spirit on the inside, and the spirit who raised him from the dead is now living in your mortal body and will give life to you when you die. Because you have a hope. It's a burning hope, a living hope. It's not something that's dead. There's something alive in the believer. And it's a seal of redemption. And when that Holy Spirit seals you, man, you know, I know that I know that I know I'm going to heaven when I die. Somebody say amen. amen. Because you have the hope alive on the inside of you by the power of the Holy Spirit. You have a confidence when you're saved. 
There's a revelation of hope. There's a resurrection of hope. And because of all of that, man, there is a rejoicing in hope. Rejoicing in hope. Romans 12, 12 says, we rejoice in hope. We weep with those who weep, but we rejoice in hope. That's a symbol, a characteristic of the church, is a church that is rejoicing in hope. We're not a funeral parlor. We're a bunch of people rejoicing in hope when we come together. We're not going through a bunch of re religious traditions or liturgy. We're rejoicing in hope. We should be known for hope. Peter says, be known for the hope. Give evidence for the reason that the hope is in you. If someone comes to you, they're going to ask you, hey, how come you have that doctrine? No, they want to say, what's the hope that you have in this world? What's the reason? Tell me, why are you so happy? Why are you so joyful? How come you feel like you got your life all together when everything's falling apart in the world today? People are dying. The world's ending. What's going on? But you look happy. Well, I'm rejoicing in hope because I've got something, baby, you don't know anything about. Let me tell you, I got Jesus, and he's not up in heaven. He's right here living on the inside. Peter says, we fix our hope on a living God who is the Savior of all men. Hebrews says, hope is the anchor of the church's soul, and it fills us. Last verse, and this is the verse that ties all three of these sermons together. It's Romans 15, 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy. Somebody say joy. And peace. Somebody say peace. Hope, joy, and peace. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace, believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. May you abound in hope this year. In 2023, may you abound in hope because the God of hope is going to fill you with joy and peace so that you can keep on abounding in hope until he comes again. Would you stand with me tonight? We've got peace, we've got joy, and we've got hope in Jesus Christ. So let's hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Hold fast to hope. What's your hope in today? Is it a living hope? Are you rejoicing in hope? Man, I know life's not always great. It's not a bed of roses every day. But there is always a reason to rejoice because every day is a good day in Jesus. Every day is a good day in Jesus. Father, I just want to take a moment right now. We just want to respond to you. Lord, if we don't have that hope inside of us, if it's not alive, it's, maybe it needs to be activated. Father, would you right now just excite that hope? Would you light that flame like you did on the road to Emmaus? May we have a revelation that Jesus Christ is coming again, that he came once and he's coming again. He's the Savior of the world. He nailed all that code against us, our sin to the cross. He made a spectacle of it. He triumphed on that third day when he rose again. He sent us the promise, the immersion of the Holy Spirit that we might have a seal of redemption and evidence on the inside of us, that we can cry out, Abba, Father, that we can come to that throne of grace anytime that we need and find help, that we can, uh, Lord, we don't know how to pray, that the Spirit prays with us, God, that we have a relationship with you, not through a pastor, not through a doctrine, not through a denomination, but through a person, Jesus Christ. You are our great intercessor, our high priest. I thank you, Father that you sent your son. I thank you, Jesus, that you were willing to come. I thank you, Lord, that you left your heavenly abode 
to come and tabernacle and dwell among men, to be in the middle of our mess. I thank you, God, that when we couldn't get any closer to you, you got closer to us, that you tore that veil and allowed us access into the holy place. I thank you, Lord, that you washed all over our sins as far as the east is to the west, and our transgressions have been removed for us, that we have been blotted, all those things have been blotted out, and our name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I thank you, Lord, that we are chosen, value. We were once not a people, but now we are a people. I thank you, Lord, that you have a plan. When man can't seem to figure out how to fix this world, Father, you have already fixed it. That plan is complete. It was finished on the cross, and you're coming again, Lord. And the Spirit and the bride say, come. We want your kingdom to come, Lord, your will to be done. Jesus, would you come in the midst of us, even in this church, God? Would you pour out revival in Gina, Louisiana? Would you pour out an awakening on your church here today in America? God, would you just pour out a hope on your church? Lord, would you pour out peace and joy? Would you pour out the power of your Holy Spirit on this holy remnant once again? Lord, just like in that first century when the world was hopeless, there was a group of faithful followers who were anticipating the Messiah's first coming. God, may there be a group of followers anticipating the Messiah's second coming. May we be like Mary and Joseph. May we be like Simeon and Anna. May we be like Zechariah and Elizabeth. May we be like those wise men and Lord and, and those shepherds. God, may we be ready. Lord, waiting with hope. Waiting with hope. Because we know Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. Holy are you, O oh God. Worthy are you, Lord Jesus.